This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Remember when I said that? Ooh. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season six, episode 15 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, A Vineyard Valentine. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, As You Were. I like that we're doing this Gilmore Valentine's episode, the week of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is coming out December 20th. We are recording this much earlier. As we've said, we are recording a bunch within a short period of time because our travel plans are taken up two weeks in the middle of December. Yeah. And I'm sick again. It's either COVID rebound. I took a COVID test and it's coming back negative, which is still possible. Or I just have a new cold. To be fair, I just went to an open mic with like probably 100 people there and they're all dirty comedians. So it's very likely I just caught something else. Like, they all do dirty jokes, or they're all gross people? They're just all gross people. We all are. Oh. You've been to open mics in New York. Are you telling me I'm wrong? <laughs> yeah. That's true. We had an open mic at a place called The Creek and The Cave. I mean, <laughs> we were in the basement of that place. We've been to dirty mics. Plus, the mic is probably dirty itself. Yeah, for sure. Because they do karaoke there. They do. If you've seen the show The Rehearsal with Nathan Fielder on HBO... The bar that we're talking about is heavily featured in specifically the first episode of that show. Yeah, it's actually a really cool place. There's a whole back room they don't show. That's where the mic is. Anyways, so that's why my nose sounds very stuffed. Apologies, everybody. Unless you're into that, and then you're welcome. <laughs> Other things just to pre-apologize for. I think the Jingle Man might be at it again. Ah, the Jingle Neighbor. <laughs> if you don't remember, that maybe needs some context. We have a neighbor, if you guys don't remember, we have a lot of weird-ass neighbors, but this guy, like, makes professional jingles, and he'll work on a jingle for a while, and I don't know why, he'll blast it out his window. What I said just sounds like there's, like, a creepy guy walking around with bells in the neighborhood. Or, like, keys. Hello. The jingle man is here. The jingle man. (laughs) Also, the trash was happening outside the window right before we started. I think that's subsided, so... Hopefully, no interruptions. Just us. Are you guys ready for this? Should we do it? Should we talk about it? Let's do it. Again, I don't know that we have too many updates since we just did this like two days ago. We killed some of our quarry characters last night. That was sad. Yeah, two in like, within like 20 minutes. Yeah. And you turned one into a something something. Yeah, but he's not dead yet. Right. We don't want to spoil what that something something is. Because you might play it. Okay, let's do it, Brian. Are you ready? I'm ready. This week we started with Gilmore Girls. Please tell us all about a Vineyard Valentine. This week is all about the magic of Valentine's Day and how everybody gets what they need all the time. What? Is that not right? I didn't really watch it. Um, (laughs) Sounds like this will be the first one Brian hasn't actually watched. He's going to kind of just wing it. This episode is uh, interesting because I feel like it's mainly like a Logan Redemption episode slash maybe not. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. First off, we are treated to a very long recap. I don't know if this was to fill time or something, but there's just like so many scenes like, yeah, we don't need that scene. You could have just shown us this scene. Yeah, I think we've brought this up before, but we learned that shows will stretch the recap if the show is like slightly under the time it's supposed to be. Yeah, they definitely. I was like, well, you're going to show her like leaving Max Medina at the altar too? Like how many other things are we going to show? It definitely could have been pared down. It was like over a minute long. 
Anyway, Suki is in a funk because she can't come up with a new original prefix menu for Valentine's Day. So she's just sad because she wants to be original. Suki says maybe she'll make Valentine's Day's burritos when Lorelai mentions that she likes burritos. And there's a hilarious, it's a simple line, but it's just so funny, the tone of voice Lorelai has when she just says, Suki, no. <laughs> <laughs> She's like very against that idea, which makes sense because burritos before sex is not, that's, that's, that's dangerous. I also love when Lorelai first comes over to comfort her. They're like having a little tiff back and forth. And Suki's like, how long have we been married? And says, nine years. I don't know if that was like, we're fighting like a married couple or. I thought it was, yeah. I think that's what they were trying to say. Lorelai admits that she and Luke don't have any Valentine's Day plans because Luke hates those type of Hallmark holidays. But Suki insists it's a real holiday and they should do something. Suki's going to go home and eat dinner with Jackson after she works. That's going to be so late. Yeah. Unless she's like not actually there for the whole Valentine's dinner. Because she said they're going to like have dinner with the kids. Yeah. But it's going to be like 10 p.m. at least. I suppose. I mean, it's possible she would make this stuff and then she leaves. I mean, because she's not in charge of like. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. She says like when I'm done here. But they've also set up that she's like got to have her hands on everything. Important. And just as Lorelai maybe starts to get sad about Valentine's Day, Boozoo shows up. Yeah, Boozoo. He's a part of a Zydeco band. This is the second Zydeco reference in the show recently. Where was the previous Zydeco reference? I think it's the episode where Marty is along for Chinese food. They're talking about going to see a Zydeco band afterwards. And him and Rory don't go because he's out of money. I didn't hate their music. No, I didn't hate it either. I feel like we're supposed to think it's annoying, but it was kind of fun. He's a, uh, Booz is a very Cajun man who is set up for an audition to play at Lorelai's wedding. And Lorelai forgot to cancel this audition. And when Lorelai tries to tell him that she meant to cancel, he's like, hey, when a Zydeco band is behind the instruments, they must play. Of course, the way he says it, it's barely intelligible. Then they start to play. And I, yeah, I like it. It's not that bad. This whole Boozoo thing is actually pretty funny. Uh, his music is a lot, though. He's like, you don't like the song? Lips say yes, face say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lorelai obviously is upset because June 3rd is quickly approaching and she hasn't canceled it officially yet. Uh, and she was hoping it was going to happen, but it doesn't look like it is. Then we get to see Rory and Logan living together. He's being kind of a bad Logan influence. She's uh, desperately trying to get ready in the morning, trying to stay on task, get to school, get stuff done. And Logan's just like, come on, sleep in, get back into bed. She's like, I got too much going on, I can't do that. But he does talk her into going away with him that weekend. Well, maybe if she can make it work for Valentine's Day, even though it's pre-Valentine's Day. She initially says she can't go because she promised her mom she'd try to spend time with her. And she knows her mom's really sad about the whole April thing and the wedding thing. And then Luke's like, well, just bring Lorelai. She's like, you sure? He's like, yeah, do it. Bring Lorelai. And so she's like, all right, I'll, I'll run it past my mom. And Luke. Yeah, and Luke, obviously. Rory's trying to do all this extra work because she's trying to fit in, like, the semester she missed so she right. can graduate on time. I love what she says. If she slows down, she'll get womped. <laughs> What's womped? I think it's just, like, an onomatopoeia. So it's just sort of silly that she made it. Like, mm. the song Womp, There It Is, you know, like, she's going right. to get smacked. At the paper, Rory is running things much more reasonably than Paris ever did. Bill seems to be her right-hand man now. There's some fun jokes here. Bill pitches a story about amphetamine use at school, and she's all like, wouldn't it be funny if my supply dried up because of a story I decided to greenlight? And he's like, what, you do Adderall? And she's like, no, it was a joke, Bill. And she's like, you know what, Bill? Don't worry about getting your story to me until after this weekend. You should take your girlfriend out. And he's like, we just broke up. She left me for another man. I also like that they misquoted the professor. Yeah, Yeah, they also misquoted a professor who was talking about an advisory board, and they quoted him as saying, it was supposed to be an us and them thing, and they quoted him as saying it's an S and M thing. 
<laughs> Which is super funny. <laughs> Listen, these politics are just S&M things. Rory calls Lorelai, where Boozoo is still serenading the entire inn with his Zydeco flavor. Rory invites Luke and Lorelai to Martha's Vineyard with her and Logan. And Lorelai's just very excited to get away from Boozoo, so she's going to do it. So we cut to getting ready to go. Lorelai is trying to get Luke excited about the trip, but uh, he ain't having it. If I'm being totally honest here, Luke's kind of being a grump, like he doesn't want to go. But Lorelai's being like a lot here. She's like trying to be funny. She keeps making a lot of like gay and gay adjacent jokes, which are, um, I don't, I don't, I, they're so vague. I don't know that they're offensive. They're more eye rolly than anything else. It was just like a place on the island had the name gay in it, which is like something maybe you'd giggle at one time, but like she keeps bringing it up. Yeah, it's also like none of these jokes are working on Luke. She's like, <laughs> spermaceti. Like, okay, these are dumb jokes. Yeah. But Luke's obviously in a shitty mood about this, and that's going to be a theme this episode. Specifically, he says that he doesn't like this because he doesn't know how they feel about Logan, which is funny because that's kind of what Chris said to Lorelai last week. Like, how do we feel about Logan? But she's like, well, we don't have to be mad at Logan. We have a truce. Which I think is a pretty good explanation of their relationship, I guess. Because I think she's like, I'm suspending judgment at this time, is what that means. It is not how she describes it. He's worried that they're going to break up while they're there, which seems insane. Does it seem insane to you? I don't know that it does to me. If you and I were, like, having fights to the point where it seemed like we could break up at any moment, I would not invite my mother and her boyfriend along for a romantic weekend. I wouldn't go if you and I were in that big of a fight. Sure, but you could find something out on that weekend. That's true. There's nothing to find out, though, just so we're all clear listeners and Stacy. <laughs> all right, so you don't need to go through my phone. It's fine. Um, Lorelai tells Luke, hey, I really want you to have a good time, okay? And don't think of this will work. And he's like, all right, I will. I'll try to have a good time. But that's just a lie, buddy. You're lying. Then we see a stock footage montage of, I imagine, what is the real Martha's Vineyard. Right. Because that's not where this is filmed. No, it's, it's filmed in Malibu. We looked into it. It's just, it looks looks like real shitty JPEGs. It's like pixelated. Yeah, it's so weird. Whenever Gilmore Girls does like establishing shots, they have just like the lowest resolution stretched photo. Lorelai and Luke arrive at Logan's father's beachfront vacation house. And it's weird from the start. Everything about this is awkward. They show up immediately. They stand around in semicircles in two different locations. Like <laughs> it's so clearly set up for a camera shot. No one stands like this. They're just like all in a slightly arched row. And then they move to a different room and they're in the same little semicircle. They switch positions a little bit, but they do it again. I was saying to you, I feel like Buffy sometimes will have shots like this where you can tell that people are standing sort of awkwardly to fit in a shot. But I feel like this show does it a lot more where it's like so posed and awkward. Yeah. People are standing super close together. Also, Lorelai lies and said that Luke's name is Clem. Interesting. I wonder if there's a connection to Buffy. I don't think Clem's in this episode. Gilmore's also used the name Clem as a joke name before. Yeah, well, Buffy came out first. They knew about Clem. Mm-hmm. Rory shows them to their room and then, like, leaves them there for the night. It's so weird. They're like, here's your room. It's fucking nice, by the way. Super nice. Like, it looks out into the ocean. I would love to stay in this room. They're like, here's your room. All right, bye. And then she leaves. And then it's super unclear what they're supposed to do. Like, Luke and Lorelai are both like, are we supposed to just go to bed? It's 9.30. It's pretty early. Are they telling us to stay in the room? So Lorelai, like, sneaks out. It's kind of funny because she doesn't know they're supposed to leave the room. And she goes and finds Rory reading a book on a couch. And she comes up behind her and she's like, are we supposed to stay in our room? And Rory's like, no, you can come out here. You do whatever you want. And Lorelai's like, okay, well, I think we are going to just stay in our room. So I don't even understand the point of the scene. 
if she is just going to go to bed. It's weird because Logan and Rory show them around. They give yeah. them a tour. They tell them all the quirks of the house, the agenda for the next day. You'd think they would have, like, planned something for the night or, like, had options for what they could do. Like, it is a little late. Maybe they'd be tired, just want to go to bed. Luke goes to bed early. But you'd think they would be like, you know, we could have a drink and talk. We could make some popcorn, watch a movie. You know, you guys are welcome to just go to bed if you like give them options. But it was weird. They just like put them in their room and shut the door. Yeah. Or you could tell them what they were going to do, at least be like, we're going to have a glass of wine and read some books on the couch. You're welcome to do whatever you want. It's unclear where Logan even is. That's the second thing. What? Where the hell is Logan? Like they're on their romantic Valentine's Day vacation. And Rory's just reading a book and Logan's nowhere to be found. Like, where is Logan right now? It's possible they were just giving him like a minute to settle in and unpack or whatever. But like, they didn't say that. I would maybe feel a little weird, too. Like, do they want to hang out? What do we do? Yeah, all this is weird. Like, you would think that Rory and Logan would be together at the very least right now. But they're not, I guess. Maybe he's pooping. (laughs) Well, don't poop. You poop in the show. Your girl leaves you for another man. That's what we've learned from Digger. Immediately. (laughs) Luke, as everyone expected, is uh, not being super cool. He thinks Logan is a snotty kid. When they got there, Rory mentions this place opens at like 8, and then Logan's like, oh, it actually opens at 7. He's telling them that because they might want to get up early and go eat, and maybe they want to get up an hour earlier. But Lucas decided this was a big, humiliating slight on Rory, and he also just doesn't like the kid because he's afraid they're going to break up, and he's just kind of complaining about everything. Yeah, if he had said like, Rory, it opens at 7. We've been there at 7. What are you talking about? That'd be one thing. But he just was like, yeah, let's just give him the correct information since we're giving them information. Yeah, he didn't treat her like she was an idiot. Well, the next day, Luke is still being moody and weird. He doesn't know what the proper etiquette for staying at someone else's house is. Instead of, like, asking or just exploring the kitchen for food where there's a ton of pastries. They also said there'd be food the next morning. Yeah, and probably smells of those things wafting into your room. So instead of exploring the kitchen, Luke just is sitting on the end of the bed, like, downing a power bar by himself. Lorelai's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you want a power bar? She's like, no, I don't. What? Why'd you bring a power bar? And then he shows that he brought a bunch of, like, camping survival gear, including, like, instant noodles and stuff. Like a giant Bowie knife. That's pretty funny. He's got a giant knife. And she's like, oh, my God, you could cut a leg off of that. He's like, no, you couldn't cut a leg off. It'd do a foot. (laughs) He's being super proud for some reason. Like, he keeps insisting that he's warm enough, even though it's, like, super cold. He's like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, which clearly is not the case, especially when they go for a walk and he's just, like, got his hands in his pockets, clearly is not warm enough. During the walk, Lorelai's trying to talk about how, like, nice it is here and how beautiful it is, but Luke just starts complaining about everything. He says he couldn't sleep the night before because the waves were too loud or the raccoons were too loud. He also talks about how expensive this place is and how it's just for rich folks and how unfair it is for the people who come here to work but can't afford to live here. You know, basic Luke stuff, just ranting. And every single thing is bothering him. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly trying to tell us that Luke's being a lot, I think, intentionally. And and Lorelai's like trying to kind of let him know, I think just through tone of voice and stuff, that she was trying to have a good time and that maybe he's not being great. She doesn't straight up say anything, but she's like trying to be very positive. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a pretty funny scene where Rory comes out and tells Lorelai that she and Logan are going to the gym. And Lorelai repeatedly pretends she can't hear her daughter because it just doesn't sound like Rory at all. I'm going to the gym. She's like, I'm sorry, the waves. I can't hear you. Going to the gym. I'm sorry. What? So they decide they're going to go to the gym too. Why not? It'll be fun. Gilmore Girls at a gym? That's insane. At the gym, Luca's even worse. He's like gone psycho at this point. He's playing some like one-on-one basketball just for fun with Logan And he's taking it way, way too seriously. 
He's wearing clothes that don't fit him, specifically the shoes. He ends up buying a ton of Martha's Vineyard gear because he's freezing and he needs to warm up, which is also pretty funny to see him in that stuff. But he's taking this game so seriously. He's like six points behind Logan. And Logan is trying to be super cool. He's like trying to give him ways to save face. He's all like, ah, I traveled. I followed you there. Let's not count this point. It's probably really hard to play in those shoes. It's super uncomfortable. And Luke's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Play your hardest. This is fine. But, like, later, he's going to throw Logan under the bus and, like, totally change the story about what happened. Luke is just pissed that he's losing. It doesn't make any sense, man. Luke, you're way older than Logan. Logan's in his prime. Logan probably plays basketball a lot. I've never seen you play basketball one time. Luke's athletic, though. He was like a sprinter. Uh, no, I, I'm not saying that he's not a, a athletic. I'm not saying he's out of shape. He's not regularly playing basketball, I don't think. Yeah, Logan kind of implies he's not a great basketball player either. That might have been a way of, like, trying to make him save face. Luke was saying, make sure you're going all out. Logan's like, I am. Yeah. When the boys finish their game, they come back to the gym to find the girls getting back rubs. <laughs> it's really funny because we find out these are not professional masseuses. These are just two laundry service guys that work for the gym that they've convinced to give them back rubs. They kind of look like Luke and Logan. Do they? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, like one is sort of Luke-shaped, and the other one's a little shorter, sort of Logan's haircut. I feel like they're slightly different ages, too. Yeah. The guys say, hey, we're going to go shower, and the girl's like, okay, we'll just call the massage guys back. Lorelai and Rory had a gym experience as well. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, just them standing by a machine they didn't know how to use until a guy asked to use it. Yeah. And being very startled by weights hitting the ground all the time. It's kind of fun. You think Rory might be like, hey, this is what I usually do here, because she suggests that she goes to the gym with Logan. Yeah, that was my question. What does Rory do when she goes there? Yeah, I would assume Rory would be like, this is what I do, Mom, and then, like, Lorelai would kind of make fun of it. Logan's pretty in shape. I bet he goes to the gym. Yeah, I mean, they suggest they both do regularly. I mean, I bet Logan does at home as well. Right. But I do not think Rory does. Afterwards, they go back to the vacation house, and Luke is just being so fucking much in this scene. I'm sorry. He's just like, well, finally, he's wearing a bunch of Martha Vineyard gear right now because he's so cold and complaining about everything, the heat, how cold it is, how Logan played. Like I said, he just now says stuff like Logan was traveling and cheating and like wasn't keeping the score right. And like Logan went out of his way to like use those as excuses for Luke so that Luke could save face and also like was keeping the score correctly. Like this is he's just making up excuses to make himself feel better about yeah, what Do happened. you think he's like lying or do you think he really like totally misinterpreted that situation? Because he was grumpy. I think he was grumpy and, like, is in retrospect using these as excuses for himself. Sure. Because he's, he's like, embarrassed at himself and he's in a bad mood. Finally, Lorelai just calls him out for his mood and yells at him for this. And I am totally here for this. He is just being such a drag this entire episode. And he deserves a good yelling at. And it catches him by surprise and it seems to get through to him, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, you didn't have to come. You know, I want to have a good time. And he's like, okay, all right. Okay. Now, this is the part where I'm going to rant a little bit for just a minute. Some people might disagree with me, but, like, just hear me out. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Before I do that, I want to say Luke is being a total asshole this episode. There's no way to justify it. He deserved to get yelled at, and he needed to correct what was happening. But to be fair, Luke is terrible at social situations. He's very awkward. They've set that up. He's not good at it, okay? And this is a very awkward situation he's in. He's staying at his stepdaughter-to-be's boyfriend's father's vacation home. And there's bad blood everywhere between all of these people, right? Like, Mitchum is a villain as far as Luke's concerned. He, like, ruined Lorelai and Rory's relationship. 
He got Rory to leave Yale. He made Lorelai sad for like six months and like put off their engagement for like six months. So that staying at this place is probably fucking super weird for anybody, especially someone like Luke, who's so socially inept. This is probably a nightmare. He says a couple of times, like, what if they break up? He says that twice. He's just like, this, there's so much bad blood here. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what to do in that social context if they do break up or if Mitchum shows up. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't be the hero. I can't be the dominant one because I'm just a guest in someone else's, else's, else's vacation home. So he's probably just like, I, this situation is too awkward for me. And he says as much. I do think that staying in someone's house like that can be awkward. I feel like we've been in that situation where yeah. we're just like staying with someone we don't really know. And it's like, do we just like stay in our room most of the time? We don't really exactly. hang out with these people necessarily. We have to like go out to eat because I don't want to eat their kitchen food. That's more when we were just like crashing with people we barely knew, like traveling right. for comedy. But but keep in mind, this is also something Luke doesn't ever really do. He probably, he never stays at someone else's house. He's super self-sufficient. Yeah. And I think him bringing that survival gear is a great example of he's like, yeah, I don't really know. Like, what do we have to leave? Because they kick us out. I've got this stuff. We'll be fine. Like, he's prepared because he's like, worst case scenario, I don't know. We got to leave. I can camp. We'll live. Also, in addition to him being super socially awkward and this being very awkward for him, there's the added thing of his, like, overprotective awkwardness with his paternal feelings for Rory, okay? He has, in the past, if you guys remember the Dean episode where he was insane, He's got this super protective feeling for Rory. The Bobbit episode. Yes. And he kind of feels that no man is good enough for Rory. Even though he says previously that that's not the case, I'm sure that part of him sort of feels that way. And Logan has definitely not proved that he's good enough for Rory as far as Luke is concerned. As far as Luke's concerned, he's the reason that Lorelai and Rory, like, their lives were miserable for six months. Is that fair to Logan? No, not necessarily. That wasn't all Logan's fault. But it's an easy villain for Luke and it makes sense for him to be like, yeah, he's the villain, and I'm supposed to be, like, cool with this guy? But he's probably struggling internally right now, because if you remember the Boppet episode, he loses his shit, and then he upsets Lorelai and Rory, and he realizes, I did this, I upset the people I care about, because I was upset about Dean. And he's probably got the same feelings, that same anger and resentment for Logan that he's dealing with. But he also has learned from that Boppet episode that he can't really express those feelings because he doesn't want to hurt Lorelai or Rory the same way. So he's probably struggling with, like, I don't really know how to behave right now because my instincts are talk about how much I hate fucking Logan and, like, call him out for these things. But I know I can't do that. So he's, on top of the social awkwardness, he's got this internal struggle that he's dealing with on how he's supposed to behave around Logan. And also, 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 Lorelai has been... Super like passive aggressively sad. I don't mean that like she doesn't deserve to be sad, but like she's I don't tell- know if he's picking up on that, but he, well, he might be. Well, let me say this. I, I I do not believe that he consciously is picking up on this. I think the show's been clear he is not consciously picking up on the fact that Lorelai's sad. But I think that subconsciously something he knows is wrong with Lorelai, like in their relationship, and he can't put a finger on it. And uh, I, I do believe that subconsciously, at least, he's picking up that something's not right. I don't know quite what it is. So you got these three things swirling around inside of his head right now. On top of that, he's got all this April stuff that's also stress on top of him. He's a stressed out, turmoil-filled man trying to deal with all this stuff right now. He's not doing very well. He's not handling it very well at all. That doesn't justify his behavior. I'm not saying what he's doing is okay. But what I do, I'm trying to say, the whole point of all this rant, sorry everybody, is just that this isn't bad writing. This is Luke. This is the shit Luke is struggling with right now, and he's acting inappropriately for not justifiable reasons, but understandable reasons. 
And so I went in this episode the whole time. I'm like, God, Luke, you're such a sad sack. Oh, you're being such a piece of shit. But like, I don't know. It's not insane that he would feel this way given what we know about Luke. This is all fascinating because I went into this episode knowing a lot of people don't like it because of Luke's attitude the whole time. But I didn't tell you that. So it's it's interesting that you're reading it this way. No, I totally get that because it's not fun to watch Luke be upset. It's not fun. So it's for is it good TV if it's not fun? But it is like I don't know that it's bad writing. I could see why you wouldn't want to watch this one again because you don't want to watch Luke spoil the mood. But I'm just saying that I, I kind of get it. All right, my rant is done. Luke is being too much in this episode. He deserved to be yelled at, and hopefully he learns from it. I kind of was comparing it to the episode where Richard comes to Stars Hollow and is, like, super critical of Lorelai for every little thing. Yeah. In that it was just, like, a lot of that Yes. example of behavior, similar to this episode. We're like, we get it. Luke's upset. He's awkward. But I do think that in that episode it was more bad writing. I agree. Because... It was just too much, and some of it seemed a bit out of character. Like, Richard yelling at Lorelai at her job, he should know not to do that, that that's unprofessional. He, like, yelled at her in front of a client or something. Right, and that's like, Richard would know not to do that. That's a, I feel like he thing. would do that at home, Yeah, he should know how to behave in a business. Speaking of yelling at someone in your own home, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> cool, well, long transition. <laughs> There's going to be some stuff in between, but we won't set it up later. We'll just jump right into it because we set it up here. After the fight, Lorelai goes to the kitchen and is just tickled to find Rory cooking and wearing an apron. She, like, gives her so much shit for cooking because Gilmore girls don't cook. That's preposterous. She grabs a knife and says, this would definitely do a foot, which is a funny callback to Luke's Bowie knife. Yeah, later Rory's like, what did you mean it would do a foot? (laughs) (laughs) Luke finds Logan outside cooking some lobster. Luke mentions that he's never had lobster. I just said that this show had a bunch of good writing in this episode, but this part doesn't make any sense. He's never had lobster. I kind of don't buy it. A guy who cooks super fancy meals for Lorelai, like knows how to cook, he's never had lobster. You know where they live, right? Connecticut. That's like lobster town. It's not a town. I don't know. I mean, I think like Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Maine are more lobster town. Sure. Yeah, of course. But like I've had lobster and I'm not a fancy cook. I think I had lobster at like Red Lobster with my parents when I was a kid. There's not a lot of lobster in Wisconsin, as there shouldn't be. They have, <laughs> like, the tanks of them at the grocery stores. You can get it, but yeah, my family wasn't getting it very often. The most lobster I've had is, like, the last couple years when we've gone to, like, Ocean Town. Like, I had some when I was in Maine, and I had some when we went to the tip of Long Island recently. Yeah, and a bird took one from you. <laughs> that <laughs> was a scone. It. But us being from the Midwest, having had lobster a little bit, and he's from the East Coast and has never had any? And he, like, cooks food that a lot of people haven't heard of? Exactly. If they hadn't added the whole layer of him being, like, a really good chef, then I would maybe kind of be like, okay, maybe not. He's a simpler guy. But, like, he cooks fancy food. Anyway, Luke finds Logan outside making lobster. Logan mentions that he's going to do the present thing at dinner, only to realize that Luke wasn't going to give any present to Lorelai. Luke's justification was, like, well, it's not Valentine's Day yet, but it's like, you weren't going to do it, Luke. I don't believe you were going to give her one in four days. I also think... Logan should maybe pivot and not give her one at dinner. Or shouldn't have anyway. Why is that? I don't know. It's like weird to give a gift like that in front of Luke. Because let's say Luke was going to give her something. It probably wasn't going to be as expensive as the gift Logan got Rory. Sure. It's not like Christmas where everyone's getting something that's equal and, you know? Sure. What I would say is that Logan seemed to already have a built-in solution, though. So Yeah. Logan tells Luke, hey, I went a little crazy. I got Rory two presents. I got her a necklace, and I got her a tennis bracelet. 
Why don't you give her one? Because it's also like, is Luke going to pay Logan back for this gift? Does he expect him to? I doubt Logan expects him to, but like, I feel like Luke would want to. And it's probably way more than Luke would have ever spent on a gift for Lorelai. I mean, you say that, but Luke isn't without money. I know. He bought the Twickham house. Yeah. I have no idea how much this costs, but I bet it's not cheap. Well, it's probably not Twickham house money, though. Logan insists that Luke give one of these to Lorelai. He takes the necklace because he doesn't know what a tennis bracelet is. And I feel like this is the moment where Luke is like, okay, well, maybe Logan isn't a bad guy. This seems like a really big gesture that Logan's doing for me. And Logan to be, this whole episode seems to be like a redemption for Logan. Like he's being really nice the whole time. And like when he's cooking the lobster, he's even being humble about it. He's like, yeah, I'm going to cook these lobsters. They should be good unless I mess them up. You know, like not saying that I'm the best. He's saying I could mess them up. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. a man. But he's being so generous in this episode. There is some stuff at the end I want to talk about, but this whole episode is him being pretty fucking cool. Lorelai and Rory are having a really good time themselves while they're cooking dinner together. The chef juice, a.k.a. wine that they're drinking, is probably helping. And Rory mentions that she and Logan are thinking of traveling throughout Asia after the school year. And Lorelai is really excited about that for her. But Rory also mentions that, isn't it crazy that, like, Luke and Logan might be the ones? Lorelai's like, yeah, yeah. And then she sort of stares into the middle distance for a minute. She was like, what is that about? Yeah, is she wondering, like, maybe Luke's not the one? Or is she wondering, oh, shit, Rory thinks Logan's the one? Yeah, it's not quite clear what her thoughts are. And we don't linger on it long enough to be like, oh, my God, she's really having a thought. It's like a kind of a quick, like, hmm, more on this later. At dinner, Logan and Luke give their gifts to Lorelai and Rory. It's pretty funny because Lorelai's like, oh, look, our necklace and the bracelet, they go so well together. They almost match, which is funny because they were meant to go together. And when Rory takes her bracelet out, Luke's like, oh, that's a tennis bracelet. And Lorelai's like, how did you know that? It's super funny because Luke covers really well. He's <laughs> like, well, my sister makes jewelry. You pick up stuff. I was like, nice, man. That's a great lie. <laughs> did you know what it was? I know it's. I've heard of tennis bracelets. I don't know how that's different than a regular bracelet. I think it's just like a string of diamond bracelet. I don't know if there's another way to define it. No, I don't. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I thought, obviously, Lorelai was going to suspect that Luke took this bracelet from Logan since they do match. But they cover pretty well and say that they snuck out and went and bought them. Even though right. Logan set up that there's no open stores anywhere nearby. But I don't know how well Rory and Lorelai would know that. Yeah, that's true. They don't know where every little store is and Logan does. That night, Luke is raving about how much he likes lobster now. He's just going on and on about it. And how they got to find somewhere that'll have lobster. And Lorelai tells Luke why she was staring off into the distance earlier. She doesn't preface it like that. (laughs) (laughs) You remember when I was staring into the middle distance after you left the room? I do. She says that she feels like the wedding just isn't going to happen. She was really hoping June 3rd was going to work and she lost all their deposits. I don't know that she really justifies why she feels like it's not going to happen. She just sort of says she just feels like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Luke says, I love you. And she's like, well, I need to hear it sometimes. I'm like, does he not say he loves you? I feel like he said it immediately to you. I don't feel like Luke hasn't made it clear to Lorelai that he's in love with her. (laughs) I don't think we've ever heard him say it. Are you serious? I thought he did. When? I don't know. I guess I I can't think of a specific instance he says it. I feel like I've heard people say it's weird that they never say that in the show. And this is maybe the only example of it happening. I can't remember another time. So it seems true to me. Well, Luke just starts trying to comfort her and telling her that he loves her. He's gonna, they are going to get married. Do not worry about it. He's like, I love you. I am going to marry you. And at our wedding, we're going to have lobster. <laughs> and then they kiss, and it's great. And to be fair, Luke's been shitty all episode. He just found out that a bunch of their deposits were thrown away because Lorelai kept a secret from him. And uh, he takes that pretty well. He's like, we'll just throw new deposits down. He's like, I don't care about that money. 
Yeah, you thought that was going to be a big thing. And it, I mean, it, I guess at the end of the episode, we'll learn about some ramifications of her not telling everyone that it was actually canceled. Yeah. But um, it didn't affect Luke at all. Right. Also, in the scene with Luke, he makes it clear, I think, to us that he is pro-Logan now. Because he says, like, Logan cooked those lobsters perfectly. So I think that he's on Team Logan now. He's very excited about lobster. Yeah. The next morning, Luke wakes up and he mentions that he slept like a rock, even though the waves were still there. And I want to point out that I think the reason he couldn't sleep had nothing to do with the waves, had nothing to do with the raccoon. It had to do with the social anxiety and dread that he had been feeling the day before that had put him into that bad mood that he no longer had. Yeah, probably. He's like, hey, this Logan guy seems like a cool guy. I don't hate that he's with Rory. They seem happy. And on top of that, this this is supporting what I mentioned earlier, this like undercurrent of like Lorelai's unhappy. Something's not right between us. I don't know what it is. Like I'm feeling that in my subconscious. Now things are right between us and I don't have this anxiety anymore. And he's able to sleep like a baby. I think that's great writing, honestly, because they don't come out and say it, but I feel it right there in the script. Well, Brian Morris fixing Vineyard Valentine for all Gilmore fans. Tell your friends. <laughs> It's still unpleasant to watch Luke be a dick. Rory and Logan left some breakfast in bed outside the door for Luke and Lorelai. And so they eat it in bed and we cut to a little later and they're just having a good time talking. Things seem to be repaired between them. The romance is back. The love is back. To be fair, we never see that it was Rory and Logan. It could have been the breakfast fairy or whatever Lorelai said. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Yeah, it was probably the two masseuse dudes from yeah. <laughs> the laundry guys from the gym. The raccoon. <laughs> Sorry, I kept you up. Here's a. There's like a named raccoon that they keep referencing. Yeah, Stan. Luke suggests to Lorelai that, you know, they could just elope. They don't have to do a big wedding. They could just have a small one, maybe out here for like a weekend or something. And Lorelai seems responsive to this, and everything seems great and nice, and we fixed the episode, and Luke's not a jerk anymore. And just when things seem nice, Mitchum Huntsberger bursts into the room and says, Who are you? And this is probably, like, everything Luke's been worried about the entire trip. <laughs> it's like, it happened. I should have been worried. He gets out his knife. He makes the dried noodles. <laughs> he just starts making a campfire right there in the room. You know, they're like, I'm Lorelai Gilmore. And then he's just like, I'm looking for Logan. And he goes into the room, starts screaming for Logan. Logan shows up. We find out Logan was supposed to take a plane yesterday to London so that he would be at, like, a staff meeting today with a bunch of Mitchum's subordinates. Now things get a little deeper because I feel like we're supposed to feel like Mitchum is the villain here. And definitely he's not like amazing character without flaws here. But like I'm going to be honest with you guys and I know you're going to be mad at me. I don't know that Mitchum is crazy out of line right now in this scene anyway. Because we find out that Logan was supposed to be at this meeting where a bunch of people came in on their day off for that Saturday to like talk to Logan about some newspaper stuff. And Logan just didn't show up. So they're there on their day off. Who knows how many? Could be a dozen, could be 20, could be 30, could be five people coming in on their day off for no reason. And now Mitchum's like, you're going to have to go to London and they're going to have to come in on their Sunday, meaning that you just threw away their entire weekend because you wanted to come out here and spend some time with your girlfriend in my vacation house. As much as like he's yelling, so you're like, you're a villain, that's all true and shitty of Logan to do. The least Logan could have done was text his dad saying, hey, I'm not going. So then... Mitchum could have called those people and said, hey, don't come in. Don't. It's not happening. Yeah. I feel like Logan is trying to say that, that Logan could be lying, but he's trying to say, like, this meeting wasn't as necessary as his dad seems to think it is. Like, he's met these people before. What's the point? But, like, you can't just 
bail on people. Maybe he didn't realize what the meeting was, but yeah, that's what I'll say about Logan. What I'll say about Mitchum is I get why he's mad. Maybe he could have like yelled at Logan outside instead of in front of his girlfriend and these strangers, but it is his house and his son fucked up big. Yeah, his son fucked up really big. And it, I feel like this was a nice way to end it as far as like Logan looks so nice and, you know, generous. And then you find out like, well, yeah, but like you did fuck all these other people over who like came in on their day off. And I feel like we don't really address that in this episode. I feel like there's a big pity party for Logan for having such a bad dad. But like you did mess these people up. Even if your dad set up the meeting and you didn't want to go, you needed to tell him you're not going so that the dad can just cancel the meeting or say we're doing it without Logan. Yeah. Also, yeah, he's yelling at him in front of these people and like, oh, that's so upsetting. It is not cool. You should take him outside. But it is understandable that you come home to your vacation house that you bought with the money from your job that you're trying to give to your son. And you find a bunch of fucking randos sleeping and enjoying this place that like is ironic because Logan's like, yeah, I want to enjoy this place that you bought with your business money. But also, I'm not going to do any of the business stuff for you. It's like, well, then you don't get the fruits of the labor, man. (laughs) It's this job that bought this place. It's so funny to think that Mitchum came because Logan wasn't answering his phone. Mm -hmm. Did he take a helicopter? It's like an island. (laughs) Like, how did he get there quickly? He had to physically go there to like yell at Logan. Right. But I don't think it's just like a quick trip. Totally not. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, Mitchum is a lot here. He's yelling. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I think Mitchum is like a super grumpy, mean dude who did Rory dirty in that journalism meeting he had with her where he told her she didn't have it but i can't for the life of me tell you that i think he is a hundred percent wrong in this scene i think he's an imperfect person who's angry who could have taken his son outside but like i get it if i was super mad at my son i i would maybe yell at him too but you're never mad at your son no 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 he doesn't even know who i am right this is also interesting though too because this whole thing with logan kind of reminded me of the stuff luke was talking about on the beach about how, like, there's this, like, gilded, nice part of Martha's Vineyard that's so opulent. But all these other people have to come in and work here, and they can never afford it. Well, it's sort of like Mitchum is, like, saying, like, you're enjoying all of this opulent part, and you don't care about all the people who have to come work for us. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, he also drops that Logan is oh, going yes. to London as soon as he graduates. Yeah, he mentions, like, you're there for a year as soon as you're done graduating. Rory, do you hear this? I feel like Logan's heard this before. Oh, yeah, because he says, as we've discussed. So Mitchum is like, I'm taking you to London right now, literally now. Your guests can stay, but they don't. Yeah. So he's not a monster. He says the guests can stay. He is not a good guy, but like, that's, I feel like the writing in the show is pretty good because you're like, he's not like a cartoon monster. He's got specific goals and thoughts and a point of view. Might be wrong, but like he acts according to it. Right. Logan and Lorelai bond for a moment right before he leaves when they're waiting for Rory. She's like, oh, I know what it's like to disappoint parents, a.k.a. we both have shitty parents. Hey, we can bond over that. Then Rory says goodbye to Logan and brings up that this coming year in London sort of means that their plans to travel through Asia probably aren't going to happen. And then he like adamantly insists that he doesn't want to think about it. That's not happening yet and that she needs to keep making those plans for the trip through asia which is uh, sort of unclear does that mean you're just not gonna do the things in london like you're doing it now it's kind of unclear i think he's maybe hoping that that like falls through somehow or he can do something to change it he's gonna lose his deposits yeah because he isn't saying like i'm not going i'll figure it out but I, i think he's like hoping something will change before then yeah 
Luke and Lorelai go back to Luke's and are in a great mood. They had a good time and they like fix things between them and they're joking around until Caesar reminds them that Luke has a daughter still. (laughs) (laughs) And then Lorelai gets low key sad again. And she's all like, I'm just going to walk home. And he's like, can I give you a ride home? She's like, no, I'm going to walk home because I'm sad and I want to keep being sad. Uh, she doesn't say. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she walks home and then finds a dozen or so messages on her answering machine about her wonderful wedding announcement picture. Sure enough, she opens the paper to find a giant picture of her and the wedding announcement for June 3rd, the wedding she's not having, and it cuts to black. It's like, oh, no. Weirdly enough, there's just a picture of her and not of Luke. What? Yeah, maybe someone can help us with how these things usually go. I do think it's normal for the parents to announce it. Like, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so are proud to announce their daughter's marriage to Mr. Who Dads. Right. That's not that weird, but I do think if it were me, my mom would let me know she was going to run it. That's the thing about Emily, right? Like, God, you give her an inch, she takes a mile. It's like she's always got to, like, overstep her bounds and try to, like, run your life. I hate her, man. It's just, can she be done? But also, yeah, it's always a picture of the couple, I think. So in that case, Emily would have needed to ask Lorelai, like, do you have a photo of you and Luke? Because there's no way Emily does. Maybe from, like, the wedding, actually, from Emily's vow renewal. Yeah, maybe. Because I feel like she would ask her for a photo of both of them if she didn't have one. Maybe it's normal for it just to be the bride in wealthy Connecticut circles, but that seemed odd to me. Yeah. Okay, Stacy, was this a good episode? Um, I enjoyed it. More than I expected to. Luke was a lot up top. I think I went into it thinking it wasn't going to be good and you were going to be annoyed by Luke because you really didn't like Luke in the Boppet episode and right. sort of a similar energy. But apparently you found a lot of meaning in his bad vibes. Well, I think it is unpleasant to watch Luke be uncool. But I feel like this episode gives us so much more context for his feelings than the Boppet one did. In the Boppet one, it was he was just insane. In this one, he's just a bad mood grump who needs a talking to and then fixes his behavior. Yeah. It is interesting having the context of the Poppet episode. Taking Luke off the table, it was kind of just fun to see them in a different location. Yeah. And I liked the moments with Lorelai and Rory, mm-hmm. like them cooking. That scene was really cute. It was. It was nice to see Logan be like a good guy, which is maybe ruined by the end, but... I don't know. Rory keeps trying to convince her mom that this guy's good. And I feel like her mom started to believe that in this episode. Yeah. So did Luke. But yeah, I thought it was like sort of a fun, different episode being in a different location like that. Yeah. Almost kind of a bottle episode besides the beginning and the end. The Luke stuff, I guess, maybe deducts a few points just because it is sort of unpleasant. But yeah, it was going somewhere. Did you like it? Um, I did like it. Again, I get what people don't like Luke, but yeah, I liked it. I feel like it. Gave us a lot of context for a lot of things. And I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Lorelai's just like ennui, her just being anxious about stuff. It's just unpleasant to watch. Sure. But yeah, I thought it was good. It was fun to see them, like you said, in a different somewhere else. Yeah. And seeing the couples interact. We don't see that. Yeah, I wish they would have had a bit more. Like maybe they had an awkward scene when they first got there. Because I feel like Luke being a fish out of water can be funny. Yeah. And having him like ask Logan stupid rich people stuff questions could have been funny. We're asking about the property taxes on this place. You know what I mean? Like I do, yeah. But that's not what happened. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed, season six, episode 15, I Dream of Phoebe. God damn. 
Phoebe is turned into a genie, and Chris tries to use Phoebe's power to grant wishes to get Piper and Leo back together. Chris, first off, are you not going back to the future? Why are you hanging out in the past? He comes back and forth. What? You could just turn someone into a genie? I guess that happens in Aladdin. Yeah. But you have to, like, wish from a genie to be a genie. Or you could wish someone else to be a genie. There might be other ways to become genies. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's from the future. In the future, it's really easy. It's just like yeah. you buy a drink from a gas station and you're a genie. But Phoebe isn't interested in getting Piper and Leo back together. Because she's like, Leo is fucking dying, Piper. He's an elder dog. Elder dog. Just move on. Find a new guy. So she does a bunch of like monkey paws wishes where she like technically grants them. But like there's like, you know, a twist. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, he's like, I wish that Piper is just extremely attracted to elder dogs. But then she just super gets into Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. Has he not? He's been, he's been on, on the show he's a couple been times. He's the show before. So then Chris is like, no, 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 no. What I wish for is for Piper and Leo to be together forever. And then Phoebe makes them into conjoined twins. Oh, my God. He really needed to be more specific by what he meant by together. Yeah. Dog, the bounty hunter, is still fine with it, which makes it super weird for Leo. He's like, no, 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 no. But then he's down to one wish, and it's like, do I undo my first two wishes, or do I free the genie? I don't know what I should do. So what Chris does is like, I wish that you had never become a genie. And so it undoes the first two wishes. Phoebe's not a genie anymore, and only Chris remembers. But he still wants Piper and Leo to get back together for some reason. So he's got to devise a new plan. And his plan is just to sit him down and tell him how good they are together. And they believe him. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, oh my God, what are we doing? It doesn't matter that I'm an elder. We love each other. And maybe by the time I'm a super elder, they'll have come up with some kind of way to keep me alive longer. Death shouldn't stop us. We're fucking magic people and dog. We don't know if it works, but it seems like maybe Piper is coming around to this idea. But then the episode ends with someone having a dream. It's it's Dog the Bounty Hunter. He wakes up and he just says to himself, I just had the craziest dream that I found the love of my life, but I just don't remember who it was. And we find out that maybe he should have been with Piper. Yeah, maybe. This has been. Meanwhile, on Charmed. We also watched Buffy, as always. Stacy, please tell us all about As You Were. This episode is about the return of Dean. I mean, Riley. <laughs> Same diff. <laughs> yeah, Riley comes to town. There's an adventure, but he's got a secret that becomes apparent. Let's just get into it. Riley comes back. That's what this episode is about. Yeah. And all the emotions that that dredges up. So Buffy's previously on just reminds us of the whole deal with Riley. So we know he's coming back. It's funny that Giles still reads these, but I did notice that it didn't say previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It just said previously, hard stop, like into a clip. So it's almost like they're trying to trick us into forgetting that it was Giles, but not yeah, playing it, as much of it. It's so funny that Giles, who's not in the show anymore, is doing all the recaps. I'm sure they just reuse the same audio, but it probably I know. also wouldn't be hard to have Willow read one. Yeah. I think sometimes Rory does it and sometimes Lorelai does it for Gilmore Girls. So it starts with Buffy scraping off the disgusting grill. A co-worker is helping her by occasionally handing her the grease bucket. And he's just rambling about how working at the DMP is all about politics. He asks if she knows who Machiavelli is. And she's like, oh yeah, tall guy, bleach mullet, works day shifts. <laughs> the dude's like, oh yeah, I forgot you dropped out of college. Ouch. 
This guy sucks, but he's such a real guy. Yeah, we've all worked with this guy. Yeah. Wherever you've worked, this guy's worked there. Super condescending and like, ugh, fuck him. Yeah, not like a bad guy, just like thinks he's way smarter than he probably is, even though he's like also working at the same job. Yeah. She tells him she's reapplying to college and he's like, oh, that's so cute. Good luck with that. Mm. Well, off to night school. What? I know I've complained about this in the past, but again, what time is it? This place is <laughs> clearly closed. There doesn't appear to be anyone here besides them. She's cleaning the grill, and then he tells her to scrape the gum off the bottom of the tables. In the past, we've decided they must be open till 1 a.m. some nights because she's worked a double shift that she said was two eight-hour shifts, and she started at 9. But tonight, they're closing early enough for this dude to get to school on time? And for Buffy to go on a little slang adventure, have some quick yard sex, and bring Dawn a double meat medley by dinner time. It doesn't make sense that they wouldn't be open at night, like, yeah. for any of dinner. So as mentioned, Buffy's walking home through the graveyard, wearing yet another coat that she should probably trade in for a house payment. This one's mustard yellow. And then she runs into a vampire who's super grossed out by the fact that she smells like DMP. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He's not so sure he wants to bite someone who's maybe been eating that stuff. I love how casual this encounter is. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> chatting. He's like, it's cool. I'll just catch you next time. She's like, who are you to talk? You smell dead. Does that mean vampires smell like death? Do Angel and Spike just reek? <laughs> I don't think they're supposed to, but I could see how some vampires who don't take care of themselves, like don't ever wash, would smell after a while. So like you have to wash the rot off of like They're not rotting. Right. But like, it's weird because like, do they sweat? Like, I don't, I don't know that it makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, they get boners. So, so they sweat. Like uh <laughs> some of their things are operating. Right, right. She eventually throws a stake at him and heads home. Also, I said this a couple weeks ago. Why does she change into her street clothes at work? Don't bring your nice shit there. Like, if you bring it in the building at all, it's going to smell. Yeah. Our bodega around the corner, if you go in there for like two seconds, you smell like bacon mm -hmm. for the rest of the day. The rest of the Anything you buy there, you got to pour it into a glass, too. Yeah, if you buy like a drink there, the rim of it smells like whatever the air there smells like. Yeah. You like smell it every time you take a drink. We were talking about this also off pod. It seemed like she wasn't intentionally going to patrol tonight, but she's just walking home from work through the graveyard. Yeah. If she's trying to get this burger home to Dawn, wouldn't she just go home? I guess maybe the graveyard's a shortcut. Or they've mentioned that this town has like 12 graveyards. Maybe Sunnydale is just that one street we always see and the rest is all graveyard. <laughs> it would have to be at this point. So Buffy makes it to her front yard. She hears Spike. Hiding behind his tree. She's like, no, not tonight. Not here. Dawn's inside waiting for me. But he pretty easily convinces her to do it in the front yard real yeah, quick. Yeah, in the light. It's They're just not hiding it at all. I guess maybe they do hide when they actually do it, but they start making out right there. Dawn could look out and see it. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some excitement in getting caught, but like, yeah, I don't know. She goes inside, hands Dawn her squashed double meat mess. <laughs> Dawn's like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done eating this shit. Every day, Buffy. Willow comes in all like, hey, working lady, rough night. You and I both were like, oh my God, Willow, what have you been doing all day? Yeah, I wanted to like slap Willow when she walked out and said I that. I think the fact that she called her working lady just made it like so apparent that she is in school. I know you worked when you were in college, but I did not really work when I was in school. Not during the year. I lived on campus three years. My tuition covered that and it was mostly in loans. So I, I wasn't like actively paying for school while I was in school. 
My senior year, I had a very part-time on-campus job tutoring where I could basically do my homework a lot of the time. That pretty much like paid for my food, and that was it. But I did work a ton waitressing in the summers to save up to pay my other bills for the year, like my car payment and senior year, my rent. You could argue that Willow's parents are rich and are fully supporting her, paying for her school, maybe would even pay for an apartment if she had one, but she doesn't have one. I highly doubt they're sending Buffy a check. There's so much about this that doesn't make sense. If you remember, Willow like got into like ultra secret FBI school when she like passed oh, that yeah. test. They were like, you can come work with us. And she went to Sunnydale, even though she could have gone anywhere, right? She went to Sunnydale to like help Buffy out and be closer to the action and do good. There's no chance Sunnydale wouldn't give her a full ride. Oh, yeah. If like the government's stepping in to be like, hey, we would like it if you worked for us. Like, we'll do whatever you want. Like, there's no chance Sunnydale's like, you're, there's, why would you go here? Of course you get a free ride. Of course. Not to mention, she could take out loans to like pay for living. Like, when you take a loan out, you can take loans out to help pay for your living situation. She could be using that to help pay for Buffy. Or she could just have a fucking job on top of being a student. Buffy's slaying and working. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, my degree was really labor-intensive because of being, like, an art degree. I had so many projects to do. It would have been really hard for me to work, like, a full-time job. Yeah. So I get maybe for some people being in school is it's too much to work. But I, I don't know. She's got to find a way to help Buffy somehow. You can't just live rent-free with someone who's struggling to pay for the place you're living for free. I feel like Willow would feel like she should help. Absolutely. Even if that meant asking her parents for a check. Absolutely. But Willow notices a big old grass stain on Buffy's mustard jacket. Dawn asks if some vamp got rough with her. Buffy's like, well, he's not getting any gentler. That was pretty funny. <laughs> they definitely clock her specificity, which she's got to quickly cover for. They ask Buffy if she wants to join them at the bronze tonight. She's like, no, you guys go. Dawn be home by 11. So now we're definitely placing this in time. Like, it's certainly 9 o'clock at the very latest. No way it's 10 and she's telling Dawn to be home by 11. Right. I feel like we can assume it's closer to 7 or 8. So the DMP closes during dinner some nights? It doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe like Sundays they would be closed for dinner? I don't know. This is my Zach. Yeah. (laughs) The thing that you just can't deal with on the show yes xander and anya are at the bronze stress eating over their final wedding preparations the wedding is in one week and their friends and family are all flying in and these two are deep in a bag of chips it's pretty funny because she says like stop eating you're empty calories just eating because you're stressed and then later she's slamming her own bag they're like Mm -hmm. comparing flavors she steals his in this scene yeah i think to keep him from eating it but i think she also maybe starts eating it Dawn and Willow are having some magic-free, non-alcoholic fun. Willow makes fun of the idea that she used to spend hours imagining her wedding to Xander and is in an especially chipper mood because her and Tara have talked a little bit recently. Meanwhile, back at home, Buffy's listening to some real bummer music in the basement trying to clean the sex grass off of her coat. Then they show that she fell asleep (laughs) under... Maybe it's the phone, I'm sorry, but it sounded like you said goat. No, she likes the sex grass on her goat. Her coat. She doesn't want it on her coat. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. She's woken up the next morning by the sound of the garbage truck, reminding her she forgot to take out the garbage. She just missed it. Then she reads her college rejection letter. Seems like she maybe applied too late to get in. She hides this from Dawn. Dawn's off to school, and Buffy then notices a huge sink full of dishes that Willow or Dawn should definitely be doing. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. This is just kind of a quick scene to let us know that Buffy's overwhelmed by house chores as well. 
But I noticed on the kitchen counter this whole episode, there's this bowl of salad stuff, <laughs> I guess. I think it's supposed to be like a bowl of fruit, but it looks like there's some lettuce in it, like not a salad's worth. Just like a few leaves, some unchopped plum tomatoes, maybe a lemon. It could be grapes, but it looks like olives. It's just like a real random bowl of <laughs> vegetable. That they definitely never eat. Later, Buffy's back, flipping Bergs, listening to her politics buddy ramble. He seems like kind of her boss, even though we've never seen him before. He's like telling her what to do. He tells her to go help people at the counter. And her first customer is Riley. Whoa. He's on a mission for whoever he works for now, and he needs her help. Buffy's like dumbfounded for a bit, probably a little embarrassed that he's seeing her here and isn't really processing anything he's saying. She's like, were you always this tall? My hat has a cow. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. He's like, yeah, I should have anticipated you'd handle this weirdly and you're working. She's like, just counter, not grill anymore. <laughs> not information he asked for. Or like she was trying to make it seem like counter was more impressive than grill, maybe. I mean, it is. I'd argue that grill is like less embarrassing because nobody's really looking at you. Yeah, but counter's way more stimulating. Yeah. He's like, listen, I've been tracking this real bad thing all the way to Sunnydale. You're the best and I need your help. Also, I got scars on my face now. They never address that. Yeah. There's a lot they don't address. Yeah? Do you want to put a pin in that? Let's put a pin in that. Okay. Meanwhile, a ton of customers have lined up behind Riley. Mr. Politics is like, uh, hello? You gonna help these people? But she whips off her cow hat. She grabs her coat, which is just under the counter, even though we know she has a locker and is concerned about her stuff smelling. <laughs> and she leaves with Riley. He gets some kind of alert on his random device that he carries around. And then the, some like military music starts playing. Anytime he's like giving a speech in this episode, there's like this drum beat. Under the, <laughs> yeah. the scoring is very like, this guy's important. He tells Buffy they're after the rare, lethal Suvalte demon who breed really fast. They're breeders. One quickly turns to 10, 10 turns to 100. Kind of sound like the Knights of Byzantium. <laughs> they're breeders. <laughs> But if there get to be too many of them, humans definitely won't be able to stop them because they're also like super hard to fight. Buffy's like, oh, so they're like really mean tribbles? Sorry, I've just been dealing with these geeks. That what? line doesn't make any sense, ma'am. Did she hear the trio talking about Star Trek? Is she like researching Star Trek to figure them out? Like, <laughs> It'd be one thing if like she were hanging out with geeks and then yes. she'd be like, oh, I've been hanging out with geeks. But she's like, no, I'm fighting geeks. Like what? She's somehow absorbed their knowledge because she the fought enemy. the mayor. Does she know about politics now? Clearly not. <laughs> Otherwise, she'd be able to understand what her co-worker's talking about. But almost immediately, one of these Savalte demons is right there destroying some property. He kind of looks like a bodybuilder had a baby with an aardvark. That is pretty good. I would say like a bodybuilder and an armadillo had a baby. I don't know. He's got like a little elephant nose, but also kind of like clem skin. Right. Riley whips out a badge, announces to everyone around that he's from the National Forestry Service, and this oh is a wild god. bear. Oh my god. <laughs> Why is he showing the badge to anybody? Like these terrorized townsfolk are going to stop to check Riley's badge before accepting his help from his <laughs> monster. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're trying to kill that thing? Who are you? Well, hold on. I got to make sure you got the credentials to assist me before I die. Is the badge real even? Like, is it? A badge for whatever he really is? Or does he carry around a fake badge for this very situation? The demon easily dodges Buffy and Riley. He gets away from them a couple times. So I was pretty sure 
everything we're seeing is real, but it almost has this feel to it. Like it's some kind of dream that Buffy's having. Mm. Like your ex-boyfriend shows up out of nowhere to save you from your nightmare job, being all like, the world needs you. And you leave with him and like dive headfirst in this adventure. You know, it kind of just felt like this weird yeah. fever dream of like a man swooping in and saving you or something. Right. But like also telling you you're better than this. We need you. In a way, it's almost like when Spike showed up and was like, you're better than this. Mm-hmm. But like she couldn't accept that from Spike because he's beneath her. You know what I mean? He's also not saying you're better than this. He's just like, I need you to do this thing that I know but you're good at. He's not saying those words, but he's saying it with what he's asking her for. Sure. I don't know. Like I said, I was pretty sure it wasn't a dream. And pretty soon it becomes clear that it's not. I was just interested if anybody else felt that way upon first viewing. You think all the events in Buffy are a dream? None of it's real? The fact that you said that makes me think that's true. No. I also knew that Riley was coming back at some point, so I figured it wasn't a dream. because I don't know. I felt like they needed to resolve all that. I guess Dean popped back that one time, but he like didn't even interact with Rory. Buffy's like, how are we going to catch this thing? It's too fast. Riley's like, oh, baby girl, you know Big Daddy Riley got a car. <laughs> <laughs> So they go to his car, wherever it was. Let's keep in mind, he's got a car. He's got a car, guys. He has a car. That's. I just want to point that out right now. Put a pin. We'll come back. You pointed out this was silly because this thing's like running away and it must have taken them some time to like get their car, get on the road. And then how are they tracking it? It's got like a tracking device because he's got a GPS thing in his car that they're following it with. Yeah, but how? He shoots him at some point. No, maybe that's it. Maybe that was the tracker. Because there's like this big bullet with like a purple light that like goes into him. They also say that they've been tracking this thing. So it's possible they shot it with a tracker at some other point. They also track stuff with like pheromones and stuff, I guess, in the Queller episode. So, But yeah, I wondered if the shooting wasn't a device of some sort. They don't have a ton of time to talk right now, but Riley implies he's got some big stories to tell her. She asks if he died. He's like, no. She's like, well, then I'm going to win. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That was funny. I want to point out, though, that this long car ride... There's a lot of stuff that doesn't come up. Yeah, there's uh, there's some things that should be mentioned here that definitely are not mentioned, and there is time. Yeah, but I do want to piggyback on what you said, that that line from Buffy is very funny. He tells her to put on this Kevlar outfit for protection and to cover up her clown costume. <laughs> this outfit looks so stupid. I'm sorry. Riley's gear looks chintzy as shit. It looks so cheap and not protective at all. It's clearly just some, like, foam pads in the front and back. Looks like something you train in for someone who's not strong. It just does not look high-tech at all. It looks cheap as shit. It looks like a sci-fi, made-for-TV movie military outfit. Brian didn't like the clothes, guys. I didn't like a lot in this episode. Spoilers. He tells her there's not a lot of people he'd ask to risk their life for him and that it's good to see her. And he tells her he loves her hair. It's been in a ponytail this entire time, sir. You have not seen her hair. Yeah, we don't know. He probably had some surveillance and shit on her. (laughs) He's a weirdo. He's got high-tech James Bond stuff. Meanwhile, Xander and Anya are stuck in a traffic jam on their way to the airport to pick up Xander's uncle, who he hates. But it's stressful because the Gnarls are teleporting in in 20 minutes, and if Anya and Xander aren't there to greet them, somebody's going to get incinerated. So all these people are going to be staying with them. Xander pitches the idea of eloping, much Interesting. like Luke. Anya's like, no, I've invested too much in planning this. It's going to happen no matter what. Their car is full of chips, by the way. <laughs> They're each eating a bag. There's like empty bags everywhere. Buffy and Riley end up at the top of this giant dam. They suspect the demon is down in a little 
area at the bottom, and the only way down is a very sexually charged shared rope ride. Dude, this is too... Oh, my God. So Buffy's got to throw herself around his big, big body, just like the olden times. And then, I don't What is it? Like a pulley harness thing where you just kind of go down? But they can't go down one at a time? This is way too sexual. He's inserted the whole way. There's no way he's not. <laughs> I'm sure he's like, it's just for the mission, Buffy, but we got to get down there as fast as possible. The only way to do that is inside of you. That's why Angel insisted on using this kind of device to get down in that. (laughs) Season three, he was like, Buffy, we got to use one of these rope devices. He wasn't even going down with her, but it somehow means (laughs) insertion. Yeah. God, you remember how stupid that was? (laughs) Season three is nonsense. Stupid, stupid, stupid. We're talking about when they like James Bond Buffy down into the mayor's work yeah a place that she could easily jump in and out of anyway they could have done two ropes but they're doing one because they gotta do it quickly i said the mayor's work it's city hall i mean that is the mayor's work (laughs) they get to the bottom the demon pops out and attacks riley buffy kicks the thing really hard saving riley they end up all pressed against the wall together looks like the tension from the rope ride hasn't quite all worn off yet (laughs) but then a lady in riley clothes Comes down the road being all like, hey, what exactly are you doing with my husband? That is the music they use. Yeah. It's they use the, it a lot. It's like <laughs> it's like TikTok generic stress music. I think it's the same music they use in that SNL mirror soap yeah. opera Californian sketch. There's so much to address here. Uh, I guess I would start with, uh, you said Riley clothes. And what you mean by that is like the quote unquote Kevlar jumpsuit. But I imagined her in just giant, (laughs) just way too big for her (laughs) clothes. He's my man. (laughs) Swimming in a giant sweater. She's a tall lady. She is a tall lady. Yeah. But his clothes would still be big. Do you have more to address? You said there was so much to address. Well, he's got a wife that he hasn't mentioned to Buffy. Yes, we'll get to that. Buffy takes a second to dry things out. (laughs) What? She was just very turned on a second ago. So, yeah, okay, that's what you meant. All right, I just... (laughs) Okay. I just need a minute, Riley. I need to dry things out. They make their introductions. His wife's name is Sam. The demon has awoken again, and Sam fights it while Buffy and Riley... (laughs) Okay, the actual demon. Okay, (laughs) I wouldn't call Riley's dick a demon. I meant Buffy's wet vagina. <laughs> <laughs> the demons are woken again, guys. I gotta dry things out. <laughs> Sorry, it's too much for me. Go ahead. That's fair. Okay. The actual demon, the Savalti, has awoken again. Sam fights it while Buffy and Riley chat. He tells her they've been married four months and that he was gonna tell her when the time was right. Rewatching it, there was definitely a moment in the car where he could have told her. Yeah, it was a long car ride. Buffy asked if he had dental, and he said, we're covered, which I guess means everyone at his work. But, like, I think he maybe meant him and his wife. And there's, like, a pause there where it seemed like he maybe wanted to say more. By the way, they talk for a while while Sam fights. It's kind of weird. They're just standing there not helping her. Yeah, there's so much about this that's confusing. He's like, I'm going to let Sam do it. I like watching her fight. Now, we already set up that this demon is, like, bad news. And he's like, oh, my wife can handle it. Then why did you need to get Buffy? Yeah. Why didn't you just leave Buffy alone? That was just time wasted going to find Buffy. You got Buffy because you wanted to do some fucking sexy repelling with her. That's why. I guess there's more to it than just finding the demon. So maybe they just needed more hands. 
I suppose. But I, he's just like, oh, let my girlfriend. T-. Is your girlfriend able to fight this demon? I wouldn't trust you fighting this demon by yourself. You mean wife? You're right. Sorry. Your girlfriend, Buffy, she could do it. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Buffy snaps out of her funk and snaps the thing's neck. Turns out that was not the mission. Their goal was to just track this thing. Riley admits he messed up, but yeah, he definitely should have told her and totally had time. Yeah. Like, don't kill this thing. You kill demons. That's what you do. Let's just chill a bit when we find it. Also, I have a wife. (laughs) We better regroup, says Sam without moving her mouth. (laughs) Yeah, bad edit. It was one of those Hulu cropping mistakes, but she's just like smiling and she has a whole fucking line. She asks Buffy if she has a safe house. Buffy's like, I have a house. I think it's safe. Sometimes you can't even leave. (laughs) That was pretty funny. Like last week. So they all go to Buffy's house. Dawn is Dawn to see him. You mean she's just regular Dawn? Yes. (laughs) Unpleasant Dawn. Yeah. She seems a little miffed about his sudden exodus still. She liked him, right? Like they were kind of pals. He was always babysitting her while Buffy didn't want to be his girlfriend. Yeah. He likes women who sort of suck the life out of you, so I get why he likes hanging out with Dawn. (laughs) Willow and Xander are there. They say they got his call and are there to help. Willow tells Buffy she'll hate Sam as much as she wants her to, but Sam's too nice. No one can hate Sam. Sam's cool. This does set up a joke at the end. Yeah. We'll get to. So they fill everyone in on their mission, saying this thing maybe came to the Hellmouth to spawn. They suspect it's already left its egg somewhere. And they were trying to track it to its nest. But alas, Buffy killed it. And those eggs are probably going to hatch soon. Buffy says, which means we have to find the nest and fast before Sunnydale turns into the Trouble Meat Palace. I wish I'd said something else. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. They're also worried that the eggs might get sold on the black market to foreign military powers before they even hatch. And there's a dealer in town who calls himself the doctor who's already exchanged money for some of those. I wish they'd called him something else, because I was like, oh, is this Doc? That's cool. We're bringing Doc back. Not the case. And it's not like the doctor has any significance, really. It could have been like any word. Yeah. Sam asks Willow to help with a locating spell, because Riley has told her that she's like a super great witch. She's like, I can't do the magics. I got addicted. She like leaves the room. Riley says he's going to look for the doctor at some bars and cribs that he knows. That's why you came to Sunnydale, isn't it, Riley? Can't wait to get <laughs> yeah, back inside yeah, yeah, yeah. those bars and cribs. He's like, I know a place. Uh, I got to go by myself. Might need some iron supplements afterwards. Got to go. <laughs> and he suggests that Buffy and Sam go look for the nest together. Buffy and Sam are both like, uh, what? Awkward. Excuses. Yeah. Wouldn't it make sense that the nest and the doctor would be in the same place, though? Spoilers, they are. Yeah. Why would you assume they wouldn't be together? They might not be. Um, just so you know, our superintendent is yelling outside at someone. So um, That's how he normally talks. So that's his regular tone of voice. We're just going to press on. Buffy has Xander to watch Don. He's like, cool, great. I'm just here for wedding planning tips from Riley and his wife. I have problems with the fact that Xander's even here. We'll get to that later. This is all kind of backwards and weird to me. The fact that Xander came to this event. But we'll figure it out together. Willow's wallowing in the kitchen next to the deconstructed salad. In the bowl. (laughs) Sam comes in to let her know that she really put her foot in her mouth about the magic stuff. She knew two shamans back in the jungle who got addicted to magic that are gone now. I don't think she means dead. I think she means they're just like shells of people. And she tells Willow she's never met anyone with it. What what is happening? There's like a pounding? Uh, Maybe the fight got real. Is the guy he's fighting made of metal? Yes, boo, and we should go help him. I don't have a badge, though, so he's not going to accept my help. 
And she tells Willow she's never met anyone with enough strength to quit before. This makes Willow happy, I guess. Or like proud that she was able to quit. So Sam and Buffy go patrolling with very little urgency. They're just strolling through the graveyard, chatting like Rory and Lorelai on their way to Luke's. Sam's all like, Riley talks so much about how great you are as a slayer and a person. And it took him over a year to get over you. A year would definitely cut into their marriage a bit based on how long we know they've been together. <laughs> just imagine you get married and then like a couple weeks in, you know what? <laughs> I'm over Buffy now. At least into their courtship. Like it hasn't been that long since he left. Yeah. She asked Buffy if she regrets letting him go. And Buffy doesn't really say yes or no, just that she wishes things were different. It's kind of a weird conversation to have, but they have it. And Sam is like chill and mature about it. She asked Buffy if she's seeing anyone else. And Buffy's like, maybe don't ask me that. Also, let's split up. I've got an informant I want to check with. And he would hate if I showed up with a stranger. I don't think that Buffy really misses Riley or wishes she was with him. I think she's just jealous that he's in like a super healthy relationship and she's not. Yeah. Speaking of which, we all know who her informant is. She does actually ask him what he knows about the doctor. And he doesn't say much except ask how urgent this is. Like, maybe she's got time for a little sump sump. She does. Yes, she does. But first she asks him to tell her he loves her. He's like, I love you. You know I do. Just like Luke. Yep. The connections are just so many here. It's just crazy to think it's not intentional. Do you think Amy was doing her thing, looking through this episode of Buffy for something to Easter egg and was like, oh, shit, people in relationships say they love each other. <laughs> Luke and Lorelai are getting married. I haven't done that yet. We better stick yeah. that in. <laughs> Buffy says, tell me you want me. He's like, I always want you. And I have a boner. She's like, shut up. And they do it. She didn't say shut up like that. <laughs> she does say shut up. Oh, my God. I'm never going to go repelling with you, Spike. <laughs> she tells him to shut God. up. And they do it. I know they're about to get busy, but you'd think he'd be like, why are you wearing Kevlar? <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> she doesn't usually show up in military gear. That might be a red flag since he's trying to take it off. Right. So skip ahead. They're sleeping naked on top of a coffin. Very Which is cramped. unlike them. You know, usually they're under things like <laughs> rugs, floorboards, or a house that fell down. <laughs> it is a weird location. It's very cramped. You know what? Buffy wearing Kevlar to sex with Spike is not a bad idea. Uh, it's probably sure. uh, the safest thing she could be doing. But they're startled by someone bursting into the crypt. And that someone is Riley. They really should be more careful. People are always busting into this place. Like, yeah. Buffy knows that Xander has. So maybe they shouldn't do it, like, upstairs by the front door. Right. I guess they like the idea of getting caught. Right. That's part of it. Right. Spike's like, whoa, I bet you hate this, don't you, Riley? Me? Who you hate? In bed with your ex? That girl just needs a little monster in her, man. Remember when I said that? Ooh. Did he say that before? Yeah. Like, when Riley was around before? Mm-hmm. He said it to Riley. I don't remember that. What episode? I'm pretty sure it's the one where he comes in with the steak. Mm. Yeah, in Into the Woods, he said that. The last time we saw him. Yeah, in Into the Woods, he said, the girl needs some monster in her man, and that's not in your nature. Interesting. Well, that was before he got an eye scar. Yeah. I'm trying to be a monster. But Riley says, that's not why I'm here, doctor. Oh. What? Buffy gets out of coffin. Uh Spike just kind of flashes his junk at Riley. I, I don't know if it was intentional, but his crotch just comes like straight at the camera with his legs spread. He's probably wearing his like stage underwear and shadows, but it seems like we should be seeing something. I'm not really sure like how I'm not seeing his dick. 
Riley kind of turns away, but I also think he's like looking around for the eggs. I don't know that he's necessarily like, ah, your dick. What do you think? I have not dissected the scene enough. Okay. Let me know. I bet some of you have. Um, I bet people have rewound this and paused it. <laughs> I'm sure they have. He's just very confidently being naked in front of Riley. Spike pretends he doesn't know what Riley's talking about, reading the doctor stuff. So Riley hits him. Buffy's like, Riley, it can't be Spike. And then she hits Spike. <laughs> She's like, he's too dumb. Is he Buffy? He's always scheming. I mean, they set Spike up as one of the smarter villains. Yeah. He was like doing homework on the way Buffy fights, having people fight, videotape her and stuff to see how to beat her. Like, mm-hmm. he's not an idiot. And Riley kind of points that out. He's like, yeah, he's immoral and opportunistic and evil. Or have you forgotten? It's kind of cool because Riley always wanted to kill Spike and Buffy wouldn't let him. So it's like, yeah, now this is like heightened to the extreme. Probably like Riley's worst nightmare. Yeah, for sure. Spike in the scene is messing with Riley, saying Buffy always had a thing for him, even when they were together. But maybe that is true. Retroactively, I don't know that they were actually trying to tell us that back then. But yeah, maybe. So Riley goes down to the basement to look for the eggs. Buffy follows him, still defending Spike when they come across the eggs. Riley's like, yeah, this is bad. You're supposed to freeze these. Spike did not. And they're going to hatch real soon. He tries to say he's holding them for a friend. Buffy hits him and says, no more games. He's like, oh, yeah? It's a lot coming from you. You're always playing me. You know what I am, and you still come to me. There's a lot of hurt in his voice, though. Yeah. The eggs start hatching. They're little spider crabs when they're babies, I guess. They look way different than the adults. Yeah. And despite her reservation, Riley makes Buffy use the gun? This is so dumb. She's not good at it. She doesn't want to use it. Why would he give her the gun? I thought at first he pulled out a second gun, so he's like, I'll give her the better one, I'll use this. But it's a stick. She'd be much better with a stick. Buffy, I feel like this season in particular, she's like made it clear that she doesn't like guns. Mm -hmm. And that's like not part of her thing. He gives her the gun. She doesn't want it. He's got crazy gun training. She does not. And she also does not need a gun. She can take a ton of physical damage without being hurt and has like superior physical strength. He gives her the gun and then he takes out like a truncheon to like fight them with. There's like a big stick. Dude, she would be so much more effective with that weapon than you would be, Riley. And you would be so much more effective with the gun than she would be. This makes so little sense that it like it's making me mad right now. He also forgets he has a grenade. Um, these things are crawling around everywhere. Yeah, Buffy just, she is not good with a gun, by the way. She shoots all over the place. So they get out of the basement. Riley's like, I don't know what we're going to do. And Buffy notices his grenade and throws it down there and kills all of them. No problems. Cut to Xander and Anya hiding from their relatives in their bathroom. It honestly took me a while to figure out where they were. Yes. I was like, whose bathroom is this? Because we've never seen it. And then I noticed the monogram towels that say X and A. And they eventually say where they are. And you can hear people fighting outside. They basically have a conversation about how shitty all this wedding planning is, but they're confident their marriage is going to be great, just like Sam and Riley's. But I think it was confusing that we had a Xander scene in between where they were picking up relatives and when they're in this bathroom. Like, I forgot about the relatives that they were getting. Mm -hmm. Also, since then, Xander has agreed to watch Dawn, and Buffy's not home yet, so why is Xander... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, timeline-wise. I guess Willow can't watch Dawn. She's home, but she's busy not doing anything ever. <laughs> and then there's there's more. <laughs> the timeline's so weird. Willow's just asleep under Buffy's coat in the couch. <laughs> oh, Buffy's in trouble? I'm busy. <laughs> I have to watch the salad. I've got to switch out the fruits in the bowl. So then Buffy and Riley are leaving the magic shop. 
Not sure why they're there. We don't see them inside. The last place we saw them was Spike's house. More on that in a second. Riley tells her that he and Sam are headed to Nepal next, and that his mission is technically over here, but he does have authorization to kill the doctor, Spike, and asks if she'd like him to do that. Obviously she doesn't, and she then manages to form her mouth into the words, I'm sleeping with him. I'm sleeping with Spike. He's like, yeah, I, I got that from all of what I saw. And then Buffy gets defensive about how great Riley's life seems compared to her sleeping with the enemy and working the shitty job. Mm-hmm. Like, none of that means anything. You're still, like, incredible. This isn't a contest. Yeah, I'm totally killing it right now. I get that. But <laughs> someday you'll be doing great, too. Also, you do smell very bad. I had noticed that as well. <laughs> She's like, you smelled the smell? It goes away after many bathings. I thought he was going to say something about it in the car when he asked her to change, but they really didn't have time in that car ride to talk about any of that. <laughs> they were just silent the whole way, processing what they had to do. The whole ride, Riley's just like, how do I talk her into this real park? <laughs> there are two. Maybe I could tell her there's one. Uh, can I get one out and not show the other? And then I think Buffy starts to tell him that she tried to stop him from getting on the helicopter, but pivots and says she never got to tell him about how sorry she was. Maybe she yeah. didn't pivot. But I think she did, because I think she's like, that's just going to be hurtful. There's not say. a ton of hesitation. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like that's what we want her to tell him. Yeah. But maybe she doesn't, because she knows that would mess things up with his wife. That's how I read it. It's like, I'm not going to ruin this for your wife. I don't want you to regret that you didn't wait five more minutes and like mm-hmm. have this forever. That like, I could have been with Buffy. I can be with Buffy. Or just turn your head a little bit. <laughs> if you had just turned your head to the left at all, Riley. Speaking of his wife... She comes out of the magic shop, telling Xander more about her wedding. Okay, so Xander went out again? Yeah, what the fuck, man? And Dawn and Willow are there to say goodbye. So they came to the magic shop? Why didn't they all just go back to the house? I don't know, man. It doesn't make sense. I have a theory about why they're here. We'll get to that in a second. Willow's going to stay in touch with Sam via secure email. Dawn meanly says goodbye to Riley and then almost seems like she's going to kiss him. And then... A helicopter pops in, picks them up. So I'm so mad right now about this helicopter. Helicopters do. Why isn't everyone popping out of their shop or home? Because we've set up that everyone must live on the same street. Everybody, yeah. To see why the fuck a helicopter was there. (laughs) We got this super, super top secret black ops, like demon killer and James Bond type group who just send their helicopters to pick people up via rope in the middle of a city at night for no reason. Why, why does he need a helicopter? He has a car. We saw he has a car. He's leaving his car. That's just there and for the next time he's back. This scene is so ludicrous, it's infuriating. There's no way a helicopter would come pick him up in the middle of a city. There's no reason for it. It was dumb that he like got picked up by a helicopter in into the woods, but at least then it was like sort of a remote location. This is just a fucking main street, and it's a rope. It's so stupid. Like I said, it's weird that they wouldn't just go back to the house because that's where Willow and Dawn were. Yeah, that's where Xander is some of the night. Like, could they not get the house set? I would say maybe they couldn't do the helicopter scene on the house set. I think that's what it is. So they just had to do it on a street set. But I'm pretty yeah. sure both are just sets. Like, I don't think the house is in, like, a real neighborhood. But a helicopter couldn't. I feel like it's, to them, probably seemed more ridiculous to have a helicopter pick you up outside your house than on yeah. the street. I don't know. It's all fucking dumb. They have, like, a wind machine, probably. Maybe that would, like, mess up the trees. Yeah. 
So they float up to the helicopter. Oh, my God. As, like, Disney music swells. Oh, my God. Bye, Riley. Bye, Sam. Everyone's waving goodbye all sweetly, super corny. Willow's waving like a big dork and then walks up to Buffy and says, what a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. Like, about Sam? Yeah. Because she clearly is, like, totally enamored and won over by Sam. Yeah. (laughs) And then Willow goes inside the magic shop. With everyone leaving Buffy alone with her thoughts. She goes to Spike's house. He's dealing with all the rubble in his burnt up basement. Buffy tells him Riley's gone. She's not here for sex, but she's also not here to give him shit for his little egg scheme. He's right. That is who he is. And she forgot that. He's like, oh, you're here to break up with me. Well, that never works. She's like, yeah, I know. And I do want you. Being with you makes things better, at least temporarily. But I'm using you. And I can't love you. I'm just being weak and selfish. He's like, cool, let's keep doing that. I don't care what the reason is. And then she says, but it's killing me. And I have to be strong about this. And he can tell that she means it, I think. Like, his his face is like, oh, I don't want you to be bad. And then she says, I'm sorry, William. And leaves. Oof, the William line. Because he's, he's a real person to her a little bit in this moment. Yeah. She's always telling him he's he's dead and he doesn't. He's not like a real person with emotions, but she's like giving him that dignity. Also, her outfit and her hair are super cute in the scene. She's got like this purple fluffy top on. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, was this a good episode? No. <laughs> no, okay. it was not. It it's was a bad episode. It's it's bad for so many reasons. One, I think we're supposed to be led to believe that Riley's like a good guy in this episode, but it's so weird that he doesn't tell Buffy about his wife. Or the mission. <laughs> or the mission, yeah. So it's like, were you just there to try to bone her? What's happening? T- to me, it doesn't make like a lot of sense that he needs to get Buffy. Like, okay, your justification sort of made sense. Maybe she needed someone strong. They needed someone strong. But it seemed like they just wanted to track it to its nest and then kill it there with the babies. So it doesn't really make sense timeline-wise to like go get Buffy and then go track this thing down. He could just do it with his wife. But they have a long car ride where he never mentions he has a wife. He has so much time. To mention, he has a wife. Maybe it would have been more interesting if he just like had to go to Sunnydale to do this thing. Didn't tell her he was there. She was also working on it and they bumped into each other and then had to deal with all this. Yeah, I would have liked that more. And then it comes out like, oh, also I have a wife. I didn't have time to tell you because we're fighting demons right now. You know, there wasn't a long car ride where we could have talked about anything. But then also the outfits look so dumb. I know I mentioned that, but they really do. They look so cheap. And then the helicopter extraction is just so bizarre and like laughable. It's laughable. And it's supposed to be like kind of epic and like the music is swelling. And I'm like, this is a joke, people. Are you kidding? To me, that was worse than the CGI for any snake they've done so far in the show. Just because it just was such an unbelievable moment. And so dumb and was supposed to be emotionally charged. And I was like, no, I am rolling my eyes so much it hurts right now. So, no, I, I don't like this episode. And I, I hate that Buffy's still working this job and Willow's all at home. Like, oh, yeah, I, if you're working, girl. I'm sitting at home, girl. Whatever. So, no, I don't like this episode. I like that the Riley stuff was resolved. Okay, yeah. I feel like that probably needed to happen. Maybe not. He is done now. And I know that's like technically a spoiler. And this isn't no, a I, wink moment. It's, he's done. He's that. out of the show. I think he comes back in, like, comics. I don't really, I don't know anything about the comics. I think he probably comes back in those, but he's done in the show. The Xander timeline stuff really bothered me. Yeah. It was tricky because I think they were like, Xander needs to interact with Riley. We we want to see that. We want to see Willow and Xander seeing Riley again, too, in Dawn. 
So they like wrote in this thing where Xander's like interested in their marriage. So I get kind of why the timeline needed to happen the way that it did. Because like Xander then needed to tell Anya what he learned from Riley. But it doesn't make sense that he's like with Anya sometimes and then with Riley and Dawn sometimes. Yeah. Maybe one of those demon friends could teleport him around. Maybe that's what happened. (laughs) But I think then maybe the scene with them in the bathroom would have had to have come like at the end of all of it. Yeah. But then that's also separating it from like their car ride to the airport. I think that would have fixed it a little bit, though. If his scene at Dawn's house and the magic shop scene would have happened without a different scene in between. But then that would have like interrupted the flow of Buffy's story. So I I just feel like it was like weird editing choices with the Xander stuff that made me confused. I mean, a lot of this show, I think Gilmore and Buffy both suffer from this, where sometimes the timeline stuff, you can tell they're like, it's not important, and I don't think the people watching really care. And I think on first viewing, you probably don't even notice it. But if you watch it again, you're like, wait, how are you there now? How is Double Meat Palace, what are its hours? You're closing? (laughs) So it's one of those things, like, do you forgive it, or do you, like, call it out for bad writing? It's I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's just convenient to make it whatever they need it to be, but... I'm glad that we got to put a bow on the whole Riley storyline because, you know, it left with her not being able to tell him how she felt and he or she got to tell him. At least that she was regretful that it didn't work out and it wasn't just that he was a piece of shit, even though sometimes he was. She also admitted to someone else that she's sleeping with Spike. And it was also nice, if I'm being real, that he saw her with Spike and was like, he was in a special place to realize that that doesn't define her and he got to tell her that so she gets to hear that from someone. Like, listen, I've been... That guy who's doing dark, dirty things to feel yeah, something. That's true. He can't really judge her. Yeah. But I think that's kind of nice because she's looking at him as like this hero now, right? Like his life is together. He never says this, but it was like, I was in a dark place like you and look at me now. Mm-hmm. You're going to be that too. You're better than me, Buffy. So yeah, you're in a dark place. I have no doubt that you'll pull out of it. So that I think is all kind of nice. There's just so much else I hated about this episode. The scene with Spike is nice too at the very end. Yeah. Yes, I agree. See, I I didn't hate the episode as much as you did. Um, The helicopter did make me laugh before you even said anything. And the outfits didn't bother me as much as you did. Well, they're barely visible. But when you think about it and you really look at it, you're like, what? But there's a a lot of little flaws here and there. Yeah. I like Sam. Mm -hmm. It was almost too heavy handed with her being like so perfect that she wasn't going to be like upset about Buffy at all. But I'm glad Riley's found someone. Yeah, it was nice to be like, and Riley's okay, everybody. I think if Riley had just, like, left town and gone home, I wouldn't have cared. But because he, like, went off into danger, it seemed important right. to, like, find out if he was okay. All right. So which episode was better? Um, Again, I didn't hate Buffy. And it's not the best Gilmore ever. But maybe Gilmore, just because there were some, like, actual flaws with Buffy, I think. Yeah, I agree. I told, I've already laid out all the reasons I like the writing for Gilmore, even though... It wasn't the most enjoyable watch because we don't like watching our characters, the couples we love, fight. I still think Gilmore's better. Yeah. It's not so night and day for me, but that's how I feel. Night and day? Those are the two times that uh, Double Meat Palace closes. (laughs) (laughs) And the two times that Spike can be outside. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Last episode, he's just bathing in the sunlight in their house. Anyway. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 6, Episode 16, Hell's Bells. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 6, Episode 16, Bridesmaids Revisited. Wow. I feel like there might be some thematic overlap here. (laughs) Well, also, the same writer did both, so that's going to be interesting. Yes, this is the second time our dear friend Rebecca Rand Kirshner has written both episodes. So we'll see what that means. 
we are definitely very good friends with her. <laughs> in the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, did you have a problem with Riley's outfits? Do you think Mitch Huntsberger was a jerk in this episode? Have you ever had lobster? Yeah, how old were you when you had your first lobster? Also, where do you live? What is Logan thinking about the future? Is he thinking of just not doing this job and just like giving it up and going to Asia with Rory? Or why does he tell Rory to keep planning for their trip, even though he knows it's not going to happen? What does Willow do all day? What's the deal with that bowl? Why is anyone doing dishes? Let us know. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. If you've sent us an email and we haven't replied, we will. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at replying to those, but we do read them and they're lovely and I will reply to each of them someday. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Daisy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, post monthly live-streamed watch parties, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacey. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. I love you. Me? Yeah. I love you too. Wow. Is that what you needed, Amy? <laughs> we're a happy couple. I'm sure she listens to each and every one of these. Yeah, constantly. Because we're good friends with her too. <laughs>